Welcome back to TKW Draft Season, presented by the Knicks Wall and the Knicks Wall Podcast. Uh, my name's Jess, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick. And then we also have a very special semi-regular guest in Eli. How are you, how are you doing, guys? I'm doing good. I just had my first ever lobster dinner, so I'm feeling fancy and fresh and ready to go. First ever lobster dinner? Uh, you know, I'm I'm Jewish. We don't really do that kind of thing. But uh, I'm in Maine right now for the week, so I figure you have okay. to do it. Lobster. I feel like I can't consider it my favorite food just because of how little I've ha- I have it. But it it has off it, it has been my favorite food for a very long time. My my grandparents were on Cape Cod when I was growing up, so it was kind of like just built into my childhood. I feel like. But congrats on your first lobster meal, man. Thank I'm you. proud I of feel you. Very I'm accomplished. You. Yep. It was, <laughs> it was big. I, I don't think I'll ever get the smell of lobster out of my skin, but it was delicious. <laughs> It'll happen. Lemon juice. It's all about the lemon, lemon juice. juice. Yep. Yep. Nick, any lobster dinners in Idaho lately? Yes. Certainly not as fancy as, as Eli, but I'm doing all right. Cool. So um H- halfway through summer school. That's crazy uh wow yeah nice i i don't have any i don't know if i have anything i'm I'm going to texas tomorrow so finally a little vacation so that'll be cool um yeah but the reason we are gathered here today is to talk guards because the knicks need guards the knicks never don't need guards um especially i feel like after this past year watching Alfred Payton once again start. And then thankfully Derek Rose began to start, but when that happened, then there was no firepower coming off the bench. And I think especially where the Knicks are in the draft order, the guard is really the first position they need to, they need to look to. Would you agree? Eli? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you nailed it. Like in the playoffs, the addition of Rose in the starting lineup was great, but the lack of playmaking in the second unit that came because Rose and Quickly and Burks had so much kind of multivaried attacking, playmaking, whatever, and losing that when Rose went to the starting lineup, like Burks and Quickly did a great job, you know, doing what they do, which is create shots for themselves. But it was clear that the team desperately needed another playmaker and have always like you like they always need another playmaker and uh I, I think there are other places they need too they need another wing but it's the Knicks they need point guards it's just <laughs> yep. evergreen it's just... <laughs> just how it is um so actually our two of our most recent uh draft profiles on TKW have been both have been by both of you. So Nick, let's start with who you profiled um, 
uh, I guess it's a couple weeks ago now in, in Deuce McBride, you know, I know we're talking a lot for the, for the offensive side in terms of, of needing guards, but I think Deuce is definitely, I think his calling card is, is definitely defense. I mean, he does have the shooting and shot making, but I think his calling card is defense. And I would really like to see how he could be utilized in a tip system. Um, why do you think if the Knicks were to select Deuce, like what, what would be those quick hitters of like, this is why we picked him and this is why he should be a Nick? Well, first of all, I mean, obviously things could change between now and, and the month leading up to the draft, but he is also a guy that could be there at 32. Yeah. Right. So if they want to do something with those two first round picks and, and move up or get one guy out of those two spots, they could theoretically still be able to take him in, in the second round, which is, is something that is very nice for a need like point guard. But you touched on it. Defense is his calling card. That's this is a guy that I, I think has, you know, has potential to be one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. And that's something that's the selling point, specifically in the tip system. That's a guy that is so active and aggressive defensively that you can just imagine Tibbs just licking his lips at the thought of, of having him on the team. Like that's, it's a perfect fit. Offensively, he also would theoretically have more, if you want to compare him to a guy like, like Nilakina, Deuce McBride showed enough in college, specifically with the jump shot and the pull up that he can create shots for himself and, and have offense to be able to score. So if that's your starting point, a guy with a, an incredibly high defensive ceiling and a, a pretty solid floor with, with shooting on, on offense, I, I think that's a, a really strong second round pick if you can still get him there. Yeah, for sure. And and just looking at his stats real quick, you know, one thing to note is I think he he made a, a really nice leap from freshman to sophomore year. He is coming off of his sophomore year. Um, averaged 15, uh, almost 16 points per game. He averaged 41% from three, only 3.8 attempts a game, but that's still pretty solid. Uh, 43% from the field on 12 and a half attempts. Um, would like him to maybe try to get to the line a little bit more. Um, only had four free throw attempts per game, but shot 81% from the line and then added almost four rebounds, almost nine, uh, almost five assists per game and almost two steals per game. So definitely just like a well-rounded, you know, I think we maybe have men mentioned this last Last week, it's like one of those guys we talked about last year that's just a, a low or a, a high floor guy that um, is is kind of easy to take a chance on just because I don't I don't think he'll make you worse, I guess. Um, Eli, what did you you like out of out of deuce that you saw this year? I mean, I think first and foremost, he's just like he's a fun player to watch. Like, I think the lasting memory for everyone who's even like tangentially involved in following draft stuff is probably what he did in the game against Oklahoma, which I think, I think it speaks a lot of like in terms of him playing bigger than his size. Like he is, 
he's not a huge guard, but he was able to to get into six eight Cade Cunningham, number one picks, like get into him, make his life hell. And I, I think that like, you know, like Nick said, that's gonna be big for a, a Tibbs guard. And I think that he really does have an interesting blend of like the defense and the shot creation. Um my my question with him is sort of like, you know, what we touched on earlier about needing guys who can organize an offense. And I like I like Deuce as a sort of not exactly like three and D plus, you know, like th- defense with shot creation point guard. But I, I do always kind of wonder with him, like how much like he, he reminded me sort of Jared Butler of like, you're going to get a really good defender and you know that, and you're going to get a really solid shooter and you know that he's going to be able to create some shots. And the question then to me is just always like, how much do you trust him to organize your offense? Especially if you've got someone, you know, quickly being, the perfect example of like an, a potential backcourt mate with him who I, I think a lot of people wanted him to be that point guard of the future. And I think especially in the playoffs when they really needed that playmaking off the bench, it seemed like he might be more of a shooting guard, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like shooting guard in a point guard body, shooting guard in a combo guard body. And so I, that is like, that's a question I have for both of you guys, especially Nick, you wrote the article is, like, do you do you think that he's a guy who can be trusted to to organize an offense, to kind of like probe the defense and get people to their spots in a way that they really like creates advantages for guys? Yeah, I think that's a good question because and I talked about it a little in the article that that's what you would he he made playmaking strides from from his freshman to sophomore year, but you still would like to see more. That's his biggest you know, negative as, as a prospect, you know, I think he's great in transition. I think he can, he can help push and, and create in that way. In the half court, I would be a little worried about his actual running and offense outside of, again, really strong, strong shot creator. I can't talk shot creator for himself. The idea of, creating for others and for really organizing an offense that remains to be seen. I, I would trust him enough because I do think the his defense and his shooting create such a high floor that that's something that he would theoretically be able to grow into while still being a competent NBA player. But I, I do think that the jury would be out on that. That, that would still be something that, I'm not, I'm not so I love Deuce and I would I think Knicks fans would absolutely adore him to see he is so fun to watch and Knicks fans would just buy so buy into the defense and attitude so much and I'm still not 100% sold on the playmaking. Yeah, I I think that's that's totally right and I do I completely agree I think that he would be a fan favorite in no time in the garden and just to sort of like go back even a little bit on what I just said like I think it is worth noting that with guys like RJ and Randall, like the the league has entered a period of sort of these like jumbo initiators, like the, the forwards who organize the offense. And it might honestly be sort of like an outdated way of like, well, a point guard has to be the guy who organizes the offense. And it might not even be true when you have a guy like Randall who can average seven assists a game, like having someone who can just, 
D up and create shots and like attack defenses and offer secondary playmaking, like maybe, maybe that's enough. And maybe like, obviously you want as much playmaking on the floor as possible, but, and he, he offers that even if he's not going to be like a floor general, like some of the guys we're going to talk about later. For sure. For sure. Uh, Nick, is there anything else you want to add about Deuce before we move on? I'm glad that Eli brought up the the Cade back to back possession and that whole game, but the, the specific two possessions. I don't think those made the final final cut of my my article on them. There is something about a guy like Deuce that is clearly so competitive and especially defensively so aggressive, where you know he he cherishes cherishes the the matchup against stars and and number one guys and it's not just Cade although that Cade back-to-back possessions where he he rips them gets the fast break and then cuts off the passing lane gets the steal for another dunk at the end of the half unbelievable but that's a that's the whole season for Deuce against in every matchup basically him just wanting that that spotlight defensively to guard top guards and and guard number one guys and and that's I think the biggest selling point to me is just that's a guy you want on your team, especially if you can get him, you know, late first, early second. That that's a guy that's gonna have you in the NBA. For sure. All right, Eli, let's move to your first profile of this draft season. Someone that I think all of TKW is obsessed with. I think a lot of Twitter is all about. Um, and that's Sharif Cooper. Um, want to give us the, the elevator pitch on Sharif? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's pretty easy. He's what you might call like a pure point guard, a floor general of like the highest sense. Like he might not be a lamello ball level passer, but he's not that far away. He's just like, an absolute wizard. His feel for the game and his mapping of the floor is just off the charts. He can get into the paint whenever he wants, even though like he he's, you know, he's he's generously listed as six one. I'm guessing he's probably closer to five ten, five eleven with short arm barrel chest that he uses to plow into guys and it's crafty as hell. It's fun as hell. Like he is he is like one of your typical point guards. It's kind of like a, a dying breed, this small, feisty, you know, he, the, there's, there's definitely weaknesses that we'll get into, I'm sure. But in terms of what he can do, like a, any pass on the floor, he can make it. He can get to the paint whenever he wants. He can get to his shot whenever he wants. Now, when he actually gets to his shot, it becomes a bit of an adventure. But I think that the ability to get to those shots is encouraging at the very least. And, you know, he, he averaged, what, he averaged like 24 points. I, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but he averaged a lot of points a game without even having the benefit of a reliable three-point shot. And that was after missing the first part of the season due to eligibility issues he missed the last few games. He never really got a rhythm. He didn't get a chance to like really play with his guys much early on. And he just came in and just set the NCAA on fire. And I mean, there's a chance he tops out as like 
a really good backup. But for me, for me, like the guys who you look at and you just can tell that they see the game better than other people, those are the guys worth betting on. And even if you, you know, even if he doesn't pan out, like, I think it's the right kind of investment to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just looking at his stats real quick, it was 20 points a game, uh, eight assists a game, four rebounds a game. He shot, uh, where is it? 39% from the field, uh, 23% from three, which obviously isn't great. He did shoot 83% from the free throw line though. I know there's concerns about the shot. Um, a lot of people think free throw percentage can c- help translate. He did only play 12 games. Is the shot something we should be concerned about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like to an extent, it's, it, sure. it's valid. Yeah. It's for, it's valid. Like there is absolutely a chance he can't shoot. And if he can't shoot at his size, it's a problem, but you know, like the college sample size is I think 57 attempts and he does have like he's got the free throw percentage he, he's got a weird shot and it's got to be changed like that is just an absolute fact he's got a really slow release he does this really extreme lean back where he doesn't get any lift so he gets no power from his legs and he leans back and sort of catapults it with his arms so he gets no power from his core but i think that like like he seems like a guy who's never had to change a shot because he can just score whenever he wants. And I think yeah. that in the NBA, he's going to be able to work on his shot for the first time and be able to sort of like work with the coach. Like, like you know, the Knicks have Johnny, Johnny, Bryan, Johnny O'Brien on the bench, Johnny Bryant. Um, and I think that like, they're going to have people and any team that he goes to hopefully will have people that can work on the shot with him. And I personally have a decent amount of confidence that it will get to a point. He doesn't need to be a 40% shooter. He, if he's like a 35, 36% shooter, he's going to be a positive player. I think even with like the defense concerns, even with the fact that he gets blocked 20,000 times a game, I like, I just genuinely think that like, if he can get the shot and he can get that little in between game, like the, the other thing that I, touched on in my piece that I really want to see him go to a little bit more is he's got a really nice floater and he's got a really nice touch on a floater, but he doesn't go to it nearly enough. And so like, you know, one thing that I mentioned in the article is like, if I, if I drafted him, I'm giving him tape of that Trey young round one series against the Knicks. And I'm just saying like, study this, do what he does and like learn how he uses the floater how he uses that to like distract from his lob attempts, how he uses that to kick out the shooters. Cause, cause he, Sharif can hit every, everybody on the floor at any time. He can get into the paint, do wrap around, dump offs, kick outs. So if he can get that floater in there, then all of a sudden he's not getting blocked 10,000 times a game. Like he did in like the game against Kentucky, for example. And like, and then, you know, the shot opens everything else up. Yeah, I think one interesting thing is I'm just checking out his synergy stats. Uh, the one place where he does rate in the the excellent uh, rating, which has to be between 83 and 100% on synergy, is overall spot-up shooting, which is interesting. Uh, he shot 48% 
uh, when it was just like a straight spot up shot. So, I mean, I, I got to think that that's, that's uh, something to look forward to and something to kind of build upon. Um, it's just kind of getting his own shot and making that work. He also uh, ranks very good in the pick and roll ball handler position, which is obviously a necessity um, to be a point guard. So, I mean, that that's all all good things for Sharif. Um, Nick, you obviously, and we've talked about this before, like you've been high on Sharif since last year. Um, is there anything that maybe we could just kind of chalk it up to, he only played 12 games and like, you think that it'll, it'll end up translating to the NBA or is there anything that you think you you wish you saw more of in those 12 games or if he had had a longer season? Well, and one thing I think Eli, you did a really good job of in your piece was giving context to, to his offensive game in, in relation to the, the short, the small sample size. And I, I, I think the, the shot, what I would have liked to see is probably more shot attempts. But yeah. being, being that offense at, at Auburn and what he was asked to do there, I mean, wasn't really going to be situational. I, I would have liked to see a few more threes though. I, I, I believe in the three-point shot to be serviceable. As Eli said, I don't think he needs to be a 40% three-point shooter, and he's not going to be a 40% three-point shooter. But I I think he can be a a serviceable three-point shooter. I think there's a few ways that he can add to his offensive game and in self-creation that will help adding a floater, especially, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but one of the – he is as good a lob thrower as I've, I've really ever seen from a prospect. And if you add something to like a floater to his game or some of that sort of self-creation in the mid-range, that can draw defenses into and allow for for more lob threats back door. I think that that presents other opportunities and playing at the NBA level will create challenges for him. I think specifically finishing because of his size and, and those limitations, he has to be a very creative finisher. And he, he is very, very crafty, but that's only going to be harder against NBA rim protectors. I think that that's something that I'm interested to see his adjustment to, but offensively, I, I think he's going to be able to grow and develop a, a few levels to that, that offensive skill set he already has. The, as Eli said, I mean, the IQ and just the way the vision, that's just natural. That's, that's something that, it makes him worth drafting. I, I personally believe that outside of the maybe the, the top five, there, there are very few players with higher ceilings than, than Sharif Cooper. If, if he gets to that, to that point, I think he could be one of the best point guards in basketball. And I, I think that sort of creation, vision, playmaking is just so natural for him that anything else, that makes him solid at the worst. And then if he can add some of those dimensions offensively and and make up for some of that defensive weakness due to his size, he can be a, a really great player. Yeah, I think in talking about, like, his ability to throw laws and things like that, obviously the first player I thought of was Obi. And, like, just thinking about this draft season and how 
it's it's not just like the individual performance, but like I need the Knicks to get guys that are going to work well with the pieces they already have, especially a guy like Obi who, again, I've brought this up multiple times. Like I think he really could have used like a, in a more normal G league season where he could have like gone up and down between the two, get more reps, you know, near the end of the season there in the playoffs, he showed little spurts, which was awesome. And I just, I think a guy like Sharif is someone that could potentially make guys like that better. Um, yeah, I think at the very least you draft Sharif Cooper and you're getting some absolutely insane summer league highlights from, from Sharif and Obi. Yeah. Which, Hey, Kevin Knox made us go crazy during summer league. So if he can do it, anyone can. Sharif will put on a show in Summer League, for sure. I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, anything else you guys want to add about Sharif? You good? Cool. All right. Yes. So, oh, what's up? Uh, I was just going to say, like, just going back to, um, like, the the small sample size, and there's just one thing that I touched on in, in – the piece, but I, I found it very interesting because like the 23% is bad. It's really bad <laughs> for, for someone who is possibly a sub six footer. It's scary bad, but like, I, I like, again, the 57 attempts. And I, I think that when I went back, like the most recent AAU stats I found from him, he also shot exactly 57% or 57 attempts which is kind of a funny coincidence. And he hit 35% of them. And I do think that there are like legit reasons to think that he could eventually shoot. And I just like, I also think that he's a slightly better defender than he gets credit for. Like, I don't think he's going to be, he's never going to be a good defender. That's just like full stop, never going to be a good defender. But I, I think he could be like, he's not going to be necessarily like, Trey Young, worst defender in the league style defender. Like, I, I really, like, he falls asleep sometimes more often than he should, more often than he has, like, the the leeway to get away with, especially at the next level. But I was pretty impressed watching his tape with, like, he fights. Like, he actually works. And I, I really think that, you know, the, the big question with draft prospects that, most of us who are not super like plugged in with teams and coaches and who are doing this from afar, the big thing that we can never quite grasp is also the most important part of it in a way, which is like who the player is, what their work ethic is, what their character is. And I don't know, like when I see him out there, like, yes, he falls asleep and he has these like sort of lazy moments but like I, I see a guy who is fighting a lot and who is like sacrificing his body to take charges and who like really sort of like gets fired up when he makes a good defensive play and stuff like that. And it makes me think that like he is going to put in work at the next level and he's going to try. He's going to try. Like just we'll leave it at that. Like I think he's going to try and I think that he is probably going to be coachable. Again, it's speculation. I don't know him. I haven't talked to people who know him. But, like, 
you know, there's you, you see some people and you they like kind of coast along. He didn't seem like he was coasting along to me. He seemed like he was working his ass off in the time that he was out there. And again, that's something I want to bet on. For sure. I, I think one of the things that's interesting about Sharif as a as a prospect and just the different things that you read and I don't think he's really a a comparable player. Because there's bits and pieces from other guys, but within his kind of subset genre of prospects of that size, he's far better, I think, in certain ways, especially defensively, than a lot of what you see from small college guards because of those things that you're talking about. And also, he doesn't necessarily, like, you'll see Trey Young mentioned in in comparison to, to him because of the size, because of, I think, some of that creation ability. But also... Trey Young's offensive game. If you look at Trey Young, what he did at Oklahoma, it's it's not comparable at all to Sharif Cooper's game. I I don't think there is a real player that that fits in that sort of purgatory of of prospect world that Sharif Cooper's in. Yeah, I agree. Um. All right. So I did want to pivot a little bit to our next prospect just because uh this is someone we've also had uh in the draft profiles already uh patrick kiernan wrote about uh cam thomas from lsu now this is a guy i see more at that um that 30 that 30 second pick i think um if if the knicks were to take him i like him more as a second round prospect i mean the dude can flat out score. I think he was fourth in the NCAA in, in scoring. Um, I think Patrick actually had that in his article. Yeah. Fourth, fourth in NCAA with 23 points per game um, on 40 40.6% 40. field goal shooting. Um, he shot, uh, what do we got here? 33% from three. Um, but yeah, I think, I, he's that guy, I think kind of what I was talking about at the top of the pod. Like if you want someone just coming off the bench and just like setting a fire, like I could definitely see, see him being that guy. Um, but again, I, I think I'd only want them to go after him if he's available at 32. Um, Eli, what do you, what do you think about cam? I'm actually a big fan of cam. It's funny. I feel like I've sort of, done a reversal of what I there there was a period like two seasons ago where I felt like everyone the Knicks went after was just sort of like a chucker and like couldn't really do anything other than like get their shots and I think part of the problem was that they just went after bad chuckers and Mm -hmm. like it didn't work but like irrationally confident uh, chuckers (laughs) <laughs> irrationally confident chuckers exactly and and i've kind of like come around the other side where i'm like this team kind of needs a couple guys like that like i think cam's really good like i mean that dude he he's the all-time leading scorer at oak hill which like i mean, I, I tweeted this out a couple of days ago but like the list of people who've come out of oak hill like there's <laughs> a lot of freaking score it's not just like long a lot and of, distinguished there's a lot of scorers who came out of oak hill and he came in, he led the, the freshman in scoring. And 
I like I, I get that he's like he's a one-dimensional guy. He didn't really defend, although I will say he's got sort of that like Harden, like he's actually a pretty damn good post defender. It's not like a huge skill for a guard to have, but like he can do it because he's just he's gigantic. He's, he's like a huge six four or whatever he is, and he he doesn't pass, but man, he can get his shot over anyone. And like I actually think that he's someone who could go like anywhere from kind of like 15 to 35 and I would kind of get it because I think like if he if he goes to a good situation I think I, I don't really see any way that he's not super valuable like within a couple years mm-hmm. I just pulled up your tweet because I wanted to read off some of the guys you listed uh as NBA players that went to Oak Hill so Mello of course for one year Cole Anthony Josh Smith Jerry Stackhouse Steven Jackson, Kelvin Johnson, <clears throat> the the list keeps going and Oak Hill's all-time leading scorer is Cam Thomas. So yeah, I mean, that list in and of itself definitely shows you the dude gets buckets. Um, he, I don't know, I was kind of surprised to see he's listed at 6'4". I don't know, maybe because I was like comparing him to like Trenton Wofford and stuff. He just seemed a lot shorter to me on the screen, but he's listed at 6'4". Um, and yeah, I would just, I would love seeing him come off the bench. Um, and then I think he, uh, <clears throat> what was I going to say? Uh, Cam and, and Sharif both were, were first team all SEC. I think was, did you, did your boy Moses, was he, was he SEC rookie of the year? Is, is that uh I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, you know, in good company there, but yeah, I mean, how many, so he, he attempted seven threes per game, um, attempted 17 field goals per game. Uh, yeah, he just, dude just gets it. Um, Nick, how do you, how do you feel about Cam? about Cam? Oh, we might, Oh, there he is. You know, I've gone back and forth, and I loved him. I, I really was rooting hard for him in the NCAA tournament. Then as a prospect, I wasn't sold. But I, I think, to, to Eli's point, he, he serves a function at a high level. And if you do one thing, but you do it very well, that's okay. And we've talked, Jess, in the previous weeks about maybe taking a guy with a high ceiling with one of these picks as well as a guy with a high floor. I don't know exactly which of those categories he fits into. I would say probably a high floor guy because you're getting something you're getting again, that sort of functionality, you know, you're getting someone that can score a basketball and first the Knicks having three picks in the top 35. If, if especially if you can get third, if you can take him with 32, if he's there, that's a really serviceable pick because it's somebody that will be able to contribute. So I don't hate it. I don't love it necessarily like some of these other guys in this range. I, I would hate to see them take him over Sharif Cooper, but if you can, you can take him along with a guy that maybe have a, has a higher ceiling. That's certainly an interesting pick to me. Yeah. I was just thinking, I, I think uh, a lot of my feelings on how I, how, I would take this pick if they did pick him is who else they picked. Like, like you said, like if they picked him over Sharif, I don't love that. Uh, but 
if just again depending on on who they picked him with if they had moved up or or whatever the case may be i think that's also very dependent upon like how i would feel uh about that potential potential pick of cam thomas um i could see him being another like fun summer league dude of like he'll just drop 35 out of nowhere and just like light up i'm getting are they playing in v- i know it's all in one spot is it vegas i think so yeah just go light up vegas hell yeah i'm for it i'm about it um yeah cool yeah you know he kind of like w- when i watch him like he doesn't have the defense but he kind of reminds me of dylan brooks a little bit yeah but yeah i I know i know like dylan brooks is like but i think it's perfect for him because like dylan brooks is like the weirdest guy he like you kind of hate him but as soon as you start as soon as you text someone that he sucks he hits like three threes in a row and it's infuriating Mm -hmm. and he just gets under people's skin (laughs) and like i feel like he's somewhere between dylan brooks and jordan clarkson and whatever you may feel about that like that's a person who has a place in the league you know that's fair. That's just gross, though. But that's fair. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, no, it's an ugly comparison. <laughs> it like it I'm doesn't make me. It doesn't it. make me feel good. <laughs> cool. All right. Let's uh. Let's hit on one more guy. That man. I am so so back and forth on this guy. I feel like I've been more down than up on him, but that could just also be because of him playing in the big 10 and, and beating my beloved Hawkeyes. But uh, the next guy we're going to talk about is IO from Illinois. IO DeSumo. Um, man, I just, I don't know what to make of him. I was all about the black, the black face mask. He was looking dope. He, you know, I think, I think the country kind of fell in love with him on that big 10 title run and in the NCAA tournament a bit. And then they, they ran into the buzzsaw that that was Loyola Chicago. And he definitely didn't have that great of a game that game either. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I don't know how I feel. So that is why I'm asking you guys how you feel about IO uh, Nick, you, you can go first. Yeah. We're, we're just talking about guys who would be fun in summer league. Another he's yeah, the, he's got to be at the very top. <laughs> we have the we have the the all summer league team today. That that's who that's who we're drafting today. The all summer league team. I was another guy that's so much fun to watch and would be so fun to root for, and another guy that I, I think would be a, a really quick fan favorite. And I really, really, really want him to be really good, and I love him as a player as a prospect i go back and forth i i think he's an interesting prospect i think we've we've talked about it just on and and off air about if some of the things that he showed this year with the with the shooting with the playmaking if those are sustainable and i i want to say they are i i want to say this is a, a player that can really create for himself as well as others and kind of be this combination of what we need with the the scoring and the the playmaking now if if you don't believe that that he'll be able to do those things at the nba level consistently i I think you can make an argument either way but optimistically i want to say this is a guy that 
can be a super fun to watch guard that can create for himself or others and really a fun score. Yeah, I think I think what my issue is is it's not even the shooting form. It's more I feel like almost every time he shoots, it looks like he's shooting a heat check. It's this like double hop thing he does after every shot. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like if you watch him shoot, I think you'll get what I'm saying, but I just don't love it. I think I mean he he would be a ton if he does pan out he will be a ton of fun to watch um so just looking at the stats real quick 20 points per game five assists per game six rebounds per game um he shot 49 percent from the floor on 15 attempts 39 percent from three on like three attempts um yeah, I don't know what it is. Eli, where are you on the on the barometer of Io? Are you a all in? Are you a not sure yet? Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, you when you introduced him, you kind of summed it up perfectly for me. Like I actually like when I started the season, I had him a little bit higher. Like he was sort of a lock for my top twenty to twenty five, and now I'm not sure. It's just like there's a lot of good guards in this class and it's hard to find a place for him where he's this sort of jack of all trades. But I think where I've settled on him is that I, I like him a lot. I think that he is just a really solid player, but I think that his size, like he's like, what he's like six, six two ten. I think he's mm-hmm. a gigantic individual. And I think that if he is more of a wing who can give you playmaking and and be more of like an off-ball shooter, I think that he is really interesting. Like if he can be sort of more of like Torian Prince, but with like a lot more playmaking, you know, not that he, they're not going to have the same role, but like just let him be this like big ass dude who is, he's like as muscular as any guard in the NBA. And he can just like play defense, hit set shots, and attack closeouts, I think that you're going to have an interesting player. Like, I, I think that if you want him to be a playmaking guard, I think it'll be easy for him to get overexerted and overextended. Um, but I think that he has a lot to offer if he gets into that sort of combo guard slash wing role instead of being a point guard. And I, I still think that, like, I still think that there's a I like the shot is weird and it's kind of wonky, but I think that if you scale back his his role and what he's being asked to do, I think it'll become a lot cleaner. And I think that like he will fit a lot more simply. And I will say, I think offensively, one thing that stood out to me was also his transition offense. I think he's got a really good feel in the transition game, how much he's able to utilize that. I don't know, but um, I, I do like that part of his game. And he is, again, I think he would be a cool spark plug to bring off the bench to just provide that second unit with a bunch of energy. And, I mean, hopefully hopefully some scoring and at, at the very least some playmaking. Um, yeah, good, really good in transition. Pretty, you know, good in the pick and roll as the pick and roll ball handler. Um 
I think, yeah, I don't know. He's just not, I, I don't know what it is. I think he, um, did he get invited to the combine? I think he might've, um, NBA draft combine. Cause this had just come out. So let me look quick here. Yeah. Yeah. He's at the combine. He, I think he could be a guy that like the combine works to his benefit, depending on what they, what they do there. I think that could be a really good thing for him. That'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting, like how much we get to see of the combine this year. I mean, obviously eventually all like the measurables come out, but I hope we maybe get to see some like video or whatever coming out of that. Um, and that's kind of like our next big thing, right? Is, is the combine, um, June 21st to 27th. So we'll definitely have to keep our eye out on that. Um, before we wrap up anything else about IO from you guys. No, cool. I think we will be having a, a profile come out about IO eventually by the time this comes out, it might be out. I'm not sure yet, but, um, Make sure you're looking for that. Make sure you're reading Nick and Eli's uh, draft coverage, obviously, on the Knicks wall, following both of them. Uh, not the fake NC with the underscores, the medium amount of underscores. Uh, and then Eli, it's T Half Court Press, right? Is that, did I get it right? Yep. Dope. Um, I'm JRon44. I do not write anything. I just talk that's it's just it's just how it is you guys don't want to see my writing um but yeah that's that's all i got for for this set of guards i'm i'm guessing we'll talk about more and i know we're gonna have to talk about international guys and and bigs but i don't even know where i want the knicks to go with bigs but we we shall see um but yeah that's all i got thanks for joining guys and we will catch you on the next one